Good evening. You may be seated. I uh, realize I'm not a familiar face uh, to be standing up here, but I am grateful. Uh, Father Stephen invited me to share tonight. Um, my name is Tommy Royce. I have been attending All Saints for almost a year now, and I, uh, thanks to you know, God's leading and, you know, the spiritual direction here. Um, Even though I've been a Christian pretty much my whole life, I was confirmed in the Episcopal Church uh, recently, this past summer. And so whether you've realized it or not, thank you for welcoming me into this family, um, into my new home. As I'm learning the language of the Episcopal Church I believe I'm what might be called a lay minister, you know, since I'm, I'm not ordained, I'm not a priest, I'm not a deacon, um, but I do work in full-time ministry. I am a hospice chaplain. Um, being a hospice chaplain means that I spend my day traveling Brooklyn, uh, visiting patients with a hospice diagnosis and families whose loved one um, is in hospice care. And so I travel Brooklyn visiting people in their homes and in their, maybe that's their apartment, maybe that's the nursing home they reside in, maybe it's uh, the, the hospital at times. Um, but I visit them and I provide spiritual care. And that work involves kind of a blend of assisting people with religious needs, um, being, providing comfort and emotional support, spending time with people as a positive presence and uh, leading times of prayer and blessing with them. Um, My work as a hospice chaplain and working in hospice has forced me to come face to face with the reality of death. Believe it or not, death is not everyone's favorite topic. I mean, Father Stephen even wanted me to preach tonight, you know, on the night about death. I kid, I'm, I'm sure he would have gladly uh, shared tonight, but I, uh, um, you know, was, it's, it's something we're not comfortable talking about, something we're not comfortable thinking about. Um, I read a uh, blog post, this was years ago, um, by a writer who was an Episcopal priest, actually, but that was just a coincidence, and he was, his writing had a, uh, it, it honestly had a sarcastic tone to it. Um, And he was writing and he said, I was telling my partner the other night that when I die, please just tell people that I died. Don't say that I passed away or that I moved on to a better place or some phrase. Please just tell people that I died. And even though it was kind of sarcastic and almost humorous in a way, I think the writing had uh, struck struck a nugget of wisdom that we all could really benefit from. And it's the the realization that we are not comfortable with death. We are not comfortable talking and thinking about death. And um, as I started, I've only worked in the hospice setting for about a year as well. And uh, as I was kind of preparing myself to work in for a hospice organization, I did some research and I came across something called the death positive movement. Um, and to, 
What is the death positive movement? It is a idea that we should normalize talking about death and that it should not be considered morbid or taboo to talk about death, to think about death, and to think about what, de- what a good death may entail. Um, and I think this, this kind of leads me to think that... Uh, um, the reasoning behind the death positive movement is, is the idea that if we normalize and accept death as a part of life, we will become healthier people and will contribute to making our society a more healthy place. Um, it reminds me of when I was uh, growing up. I grew up in a, a Christian home, and I grew up going to Christian schools throughout my life, and it was in Ohio, actually, and I, uh, the, school, I, the schools I went to were kind of strict, right? There, was, there were rules on things you were allowed to say and not say and do and not do, and, um, you know, what you could wear and, and what you could be seen as a part of and things, but even more strict than the schools were some of my friend's parents. You know, I, I uh, you know, I remember stories of times where, you know, little me feeling pretty innocent, you know, age nine or ten, sharing with another person uh, about some music that I had uh, enjoyed recently. You know, it was probably like in sync or something. So I grew up in the '90s, but uh, um, I remember sharing about that and a friend saying, "Oh, I'm only allowed to listen to Christian music," you know, and thinking, oh, okay. And then uh, um, I remember sharing with another friend about my favorite show at the time, you know, which was, which was Rugrats on Nickelodeon. And I remember a friend of mine, when I shared that, they weren't allowed to watch Rugrats because they, the babies were shown not showing respect to their parents um, in the show. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I didn't know what to think. I was eight years old or something like that. As I got older and moved into the college years and the years of young adulthood, um, we, you know, especially when you came from a uh, strict school, you might hear stories about, uh, you know, how your old classmates were doing in college. And I thought it was, I, I noticed a correlation between the peers of mine who grew up in the strictest households often were the ones who I heard the most wild stories about what they uh, ended up indulging in in their young adult years. And I think there's a correlation between how it was forbidden and taboo to think about certain things or to engage in certain things and how kind of off the, they had an unhealthy relationship with those parts of life. And I think there's a parallel that kind of happens to a greater percentage of the population with death. We often don't talk about death. We don't think it's appropriate to think about death. And the result sometimes is when a loved one uh, faces death or a terminal diagnosis or someone we know, we we lose someone we know, we react in a way that is uh, maybe unhealthy because we've not, there's not been a relationship with death. No one's walked us through what death is like or what it could be like. And the result is uh, not as healthy, not the, flirt, not the best result. And so I think there is a positive that comes with accepting death as a part of life. 
But I, I say this to say that death, just because death is a normal thing, does, still does not mean it's a good thing, right? It is still appropriate to respond to death with grief and with wailing, wailing and weeping. And, and because grief is loss and death ultimately is loss, right? And, and so I, I think of the story when Jesus wept. And it's all the verse says, Jesus wept. I mean, why was he weeping? Because his friend Lazarus died. And more than anyone, Jesus would know, death's a part of life. It's normal. Everyone goes through it. And he would even possibly know that he could have raised Lazarus from the dead, not much later on. But he still responded to death with weeping. And so I say, I kind of preface all this of saying, even though I'm saying death is a normal part of life, it's still not a good thing. It's still something that we can respond to with weeping and grief. And, you know, as we face death and as we come to, you know, as I'm urging us to accept death as a normal part of life, one of the things that can happen as we face the reality of death is what's called an existential crisis, right? Um, an existential crisis is when we feel this unease about our life. We feel this uneasy un feeling because we've kind of mentally, it's clicked with us that life is temporary, that we are finite, and that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. And an existential crisis is when that thought clicks with us in a way that um, almost paralyzes us and keeps us from moving forward. However, you know, an existential crisis does not need to be a paralyzing negative thing. I know it sounds negative because it has the word crisis in it, and it may bring to mind the image of someone unable to sleep or um, indulging, overindulging in things because there's, they don't see a point in anything else. But the reality is that an existential crisis has the potential to be one of the greatest opportunities for positive action we may ever encounter in this life. And that is because an existential crisis forces us to face the truth that our days are numbered. And when it, we face the truth that our days are numbered, we are forced to reflect and ask ourselves the question, am I living in a way that is worthwhile? Am I living in a way that aligns with my values? Am I making the most of the days I've been given? And some of the good news is that even when our answers to those questions are varying degrees of no, changes can be made. We can make adjustments and transformation can occur. Um, it wasn't that long ago I had an existential crisis myself. Um, a few years ago, I was living in my hometown, um, which is Dayton, Ohio. I uh, was working a job as a campus chaplain at a high school. Um, it was actually a high school I attended myself. And it was like the ones I explained to you a little bit ago, strict parents, rules, things of that nature. Um, and I knew deep down I wasn't a the perfect fit for this role because I, I didn't always see eye to eye with those around me. But I was comfortable. 
I had, you know, I was at a school I went to. I had had the same job for years. I was comfortable. Um, and I kind of really never did anything to try to move out of that role. I was just kind of going through the motions. And then uh, the year 2020 happened and the pandemic occurred and, and COVID became a reality and illness and the prospect of death kind of became real to me in a way that it had not prior. And because I got to stay home from work for extended periods of time, on top of thinking about how death's a real possibility, I uh, asked myself, am, is my, is, am I living in a way that aligns with my values? Am I living in a way that aligns with what I feel makes the most sense for what I believe? And if I really do believe my time is limited, am I living in a way that reflects that? Um, and the long story short is uh, eventually, you know, uh, I started applying to jobs across the country and ended up moving here. And so when I talk to people uh, who uh, ask, oh, why did you move? Sometimes when I'm polite, I say, oh, for a job and for better opportunity. But the authentic truth is that I had an existential crisis and I acted on it. And you may think that, uh, okay, yeah, you saw that life was short, but you decide, so you decided to take a risk. Um, yeah, that's not really how I see it. I think I realized that life was short and that death was a part of life, which made it click with me that the, it was actually a greater risk to stay put and just hope that eventually things would change without any action involved. Or should I go and make some changes that may lead to some changes? I see a better fit for life. Now, death is a part of life, and I'm urging us to accept that and to come to terms with that and to live in accordance with that. However, I don't plan to leave us on that note. That's not good news. That's maybe news that just has a positive spin on it. But the gospel that we read has the good news. As we saw in John 5, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, the hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And so I urge you, death is a part of life. And we should accept that. But we should, I especially urge you, resurrection is a part of life, and we should accept that. In the same way that we should accept that death is a part of life and have a healthier relationship with it, we should accept that resurrection is also a part of life, and we should live accordingly. And in the same way that an existential crisis may stir us towards positive action, May the resurrection of Christ cause us to reflect on whether our lives are worth, are we living in a way that aligns with the truth of Christ's raising? You see, Christ's resurrection is our ultimate sign that when life and death go face to face, life ultimately wins. And in the same manner that when liberation and oppression go face to face, liberation will ultimately win. 
even when we see death win some battles along the way, even when we see oppression win battles along the way, the hope that we have is that when it is all said and done, life, liberation, and resurrection will ultimately be victorious. Amen.